me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies, Noel T. Manning II here, hanging out with Thomas Manning. I hope you are all well. We appreciate you spending time with us right here as we chat cinema and other things. Remember, cinema is just a word because cinema can be anything you choose visually. Uh, and it actually can be even audio, Thomas, because if we talk podcast relating to cinema, that's still cinema. Am I right? Am I right? I, yeah, because, uh, well, in a way, we're telling our own stories by talking about other stories that are being told. So I, I think, yeah, that's definitely along the cinematic guidelines if you uh, look in the dictionary. and <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if you have uh, never seen this show before, we do cover all aspects uh, of film uh, and entertainment. Uh, we, we, we might even uh, uh, throw out uh, something relating to, to Taylor Swift once in a while. Actually, you know what? Since we do talk pop culture and entertainment. I've got to say my number one summer jam is the new Christian Bush release. And Christian Bush, 52 years this uh, this year, uh, and he's releasing 52 new songs over the course of 2022. This is his second uh, installment. And, uh, and what's the name of that release, Thomas? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, I believe it is Songs in the Key of Summer. Uh, this is his second... This is his second album this year, and I believe he'll probably have two more along the way to get to that uh, 52 songs for the year. So he's he's definitely uh, still still got it, and uh, I think he'll always have it as long as he's making new music. It, and and he keeps finding ways to get better, which amazes me. I've I've known uh, Christian and Christian's music for a number of years, uh, predating Sugarland. And if you're not familiar with with Christian Bush, uh, he is uh, he is part of the duo of Sugarland. Uh, but before that, he was with Billy Pilgrim. He's also uh, had another band called Dark Water. And his his music, his writing, his lyrics find ways to speak. And so that was actually not on our call sheet, uh, not on our agenda. But I had to throw that out. So if you're looking for uh, something uh, new uh, to check out this summer, I highly recommend that. Solid A-plus for me for the uh, the new Christian Bush release. What about you, Thomas? Anything else you want to share? Because y'all know this this release speaks to you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe uh, it was Eddie's Attic in Decatur, Georgia, is where Christian Bush kind of got to start playing live music and uh, where he was, I guess, discovered. Uh, and uh, this this album, uh, I guess he's been making new music nearly t- 30 years now. And uh, so this album is probably one of his best. And I got to give it a solid A-plus as well. Awesome. Okay, well, while that was not on the call sheet, that was uh, sometimes you got to sneak things in. Sometimes you yeah, got to sneak yeah. things in. Just got to roll with it. Ad-lib. That's it. Kind of like, well, hey, this is a great transition because there's a lot of ad-libbing in Thor Love and Thunder, <laughs> which I believe is the first film that we're going to be speaking about. It is. So dive in, Mr. Manning. So, yeah, this is Thor Love and Thunder. This is the um, fourth um, solo Thor film in the MCU. I believe it's the 29th film total in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we are 14 years into this journey, which is just insane. Um, you know, right off the bat, one of the first things I have to say about this movie is that anytime you have screaming goats in a movie, I'm going to rave about it. That's, that's just something that I have, you know, 
anytime we go into a movie, have a checkbox. I say, are there screaming goats? No. Okay. That's a little bit of a little bit of a point deduction, but this, there are screaming goats. Definitely got to give it a point for that. And giant goats. Oh, look at those. They are wonderful. Yes, they are. They also scream quite a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just set the stage with that and then let you dive into it a little bit. This is uh, this is a movie that I feel uh, if you had like a ten year old and then you had like a sixteen year old and they wanted to collaborate on a superhero film, I think if you had a ten year old and a sixteen year old collaborating, you would have something like this because uh, this movie has got uh, all sorts of craziness. You've already heard Thomas talk about the screaming uh, goats and they're giant screaming goats who fly. Thomas didn't mention that, so that even adds a whole other layer. Um, but you've also got some dark elements. Uh, I mean, you've got um, early on, and, and I'm not giving anything away because this happens literally before the title. You get to see this villain, and you get a backstory of a villain, and you get to understand because of this deep loss, this deep loss of, of, of a love uh, in his life, that he has taken down this dark path. Now, we've seen that before uh, in things like Star Wars and stuff, but I tell you what, Christian Bale uh, as the God Butcher is amazing, and there are some very dark, dark scenes whenever he shows up uh, on uh, on camera. But then on the whole other side of it, you've got the craziness even beyond the, the giant screaming flying goats. You've got all sorts of other things Including um, including Russell Crowe starring as Zeus, and he has this crazy dance twirling baton routine using his lightning bolt. Um, and uh, there's there's so much more. And and I've kind of described this movie as uh, imagine uh, if you had the kitchen sink and you throw the kitchen sink, you know everything but the kitchen sink. Well, this has the kitchen sink. Oh yeah. It has the max. It has the extreme. It has. If you think of things that are over the top. This is beyond over the top in a film. And with that, it is almost, um, at times, it feels ridiculous. And the question is, does it work? And with, with Taika Waititi, you know things are going to be kind of out there. And so I think, yes, it does work. But I do think that there will be some people, Thomas, that will walk away and say, okay, that was just a little too crazy for me. Thor Ragnarok. To me, I thought there was a, a really perfect balance, and it felt very organic. At times in this one, it did not quite feel as organic. It felt a little more um, telegraphed, uh, almost bordering on parody. Uh, and at times, it worked for me, and at times, it didn't. But it was thoroughly entertaining. Um, there was a lot going on. You get to see a love story. You get to see this montage it's almost like a, a, a rom-com love story going on between uh, Thor and uh, Dr. Jane Foster. No, it's not Jodie Foster or Jane Fonda, but they could have shown up in the film and it, and it might have worked. Um, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. It was a ride and it was a ride that I'm glad I held on for. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the analogy of like a 10 year old and a 16 year old getting together to make a movie. So in this instance, I would say that the 10-year-old is Taika Waititi and the 16-year-old is Chris Hemsworth. And uh, the way I described it uh, a few days ago after the screening, I, I feel like Taika and Chris Hemsworth are cinematic soulmates. Um, and I'm just glad they found each other so that we get movies like this. Um, you know, the character of Thor, 
I thought he was done pretty well in his first six years in the MCU. You know, he was introduced in 2011 with Kenneth Branagh's film, and I thought Branagh did a great job. And, you know, through the uh, first two Avengers films, I thought Thor was handled well. But it wasn't until Taika joined in uh, 2017 with Thor Ragnarok that they found exactly what this character is and what this character should be. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, I think this movie does a great job reminding you just how tragic Thor's character arc in the MCU has been. He's lost everything and everyone multiple times over, but he keeps finding a way to come back. Um, but still, in the middle of all that, he's still working to find himself. And early on in the film, there's a great conversation that kind of speaks to that that main theme, that main through line throughout. There's a conversation between Thor and then Star-Lord, uh, you know, Chris Pratt. And Star-Lord basically says, hey, man, you've been alive for thousands of years, but you still don't seem to know exactly who you are. So go out and go find that and go find that love because I know that's what you've closed yourself off from. Um, and he basically tells Thor, it's better to feel the pain of loss than to feel empty, than to feel, you know, nothing at all. And, uh, you know, talking about the title of the film, Thor, Love and Thunder, it's the absolute perfect title. Um, just the exploration of love in this movie, whether that be romantic love, like love between Jane Foster and Thor that, uh, you know, it was a former romance that kind of died out, but is rekindled here in a unique way, or whether that be the love amongst a family like Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy, or the love between a father and a daughter, uh, which is the main uh, main driving point, the main motivation of the villain of uh, Gore, the God Butcher, Christian Bell's villain. You know, just all those different forms of love that are uh, explored thematically in here really moved me in a you know very uh, very special way. Yeah, and I think this, you know, we we talked about this in the past, and we talked about this in in, uh, in film studies as well. The inciting incident in, in any story that's driven, there's an inciting incident that starts the film, but it starts the film with the villain, and that's something you don't see a lot that starts the story on its journey. And I, I would say that this movie is as much about Christian Bell's character, the God Butcher as it is about Thor. I think there's there's an equal balance there. And sure, Thor gets more screen time, of, of course, because it's, it's Thor's movie. But I would say the story itself is is about both of those characters and the journeys that they both take. And Christian uh, Bell is uh, almost unrecognizable. And uh, he was phenomenal. And uh, this movie does have adult themes. Uh, as I mentioned, there are some really dark elements to this, this as well. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, you know, if you're going to take some small kids, just be aware. And, and if you're aware of some of the other stories we've seen throughout uh, the MCU, you understand uh, there is some darkness that shows up uh, in this as well. But uh, it is a movie that I'm, uh, I've been waiting for for a while. I know that you have as well. Uh, we were there in a, uh, an early screening with uh, with critics and and I think I would say probably for the most part, you know, seventy five percent or maybe more of the crowd uh, truly, truly uh, loved this. I, I know that there were a few that, that felt a little mixed uh, on this. So t tell me uh, anything else you want to make sure you share about this, and then give me your uh, final take with your grade as well. Uh, yes, just on a technical level, uh, one of the the main technologies used in this film was the volume which is the same technology they used to make the Mandalorian and uh, other Disney plus star Wars shows. 
So it's basically these massive rooms of panoramic LED screens. And the lighting is more realistic than what you would get from a green screen or a blue screen. Um, and this technology is courtesy of Industrial Light Magic, the uh, Lucasfilm group. Um, so I think that really went a long way toward making the environments in this film kind of feel more you know, authentic and just feel more like they're engrossing you. Um, and that coupled with the IMAX, as you mentioned, we uh, I'm glad we were able to see this in IMAX because the sequences that the film expands to that IMAX ratio are gorgeous. And just as far as, you know, just like putting you directly into the environment, um, you know, the, the whole film is not filmed that ratio, but the scenes that do expand to that um, really just, you know, fully kind of, it, it's almost like it completely wraps you around and puts you in that, in that setting with those characters and those situations and those conflicts. We've talked about this quite a bit this summer, actually. Uh, well, actually going back to even the preseason when, we talked about the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. There have been quite a few films that we've said this. In the, if you want to watch this, watch it on the biggest screen and the biggest sound possible. We did that with, of course, Top Gun. And I recommend that as well with Thor, Love and Thunder, if you choose to watch this film. Watch it big. Watch it big. Watch it big. Um, there are some amazing action sequences um, some really phenomenal action sequences as well. And they take place in various locations on other planets, uh, even uh, in the, the, basically in the land of the gods. <laughs> you will find a battle sequence going on uh, there uh, as well. And then even uh, as far away as eternity. And um, there's a lot going on and, it is absolutely phenomenal to watch these battle sequences. But then you've got, we talked about the humor, but you've got this deep drama as well that goes on. There's this kind of underlying current. So there's messages, there's themes, you know, stories of forgiveness and, and redemption. Um, and finding oneself, all those run strong in Thor, Love and Thunder. And I think my final grade for this is a uh, solid B+. Plus. And, um, you know, I think fans of Thor Ragnarok and fans of Guardians of the Galaxy are going to find exactly what they're looking for in Thor Love and Thunder. I'm really close with you as well, Thomas. A solid B for me for Thor Love and Thunder. And you can find that in the theaters now. Well, uh, we took an extended review right there with uh, Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to take a quick intermission. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Black Phone which is in theaters now. And, and also Thomas is going to talk about uh, IP Man, uh, the, the Awakening. And uh, we'll see if we talk about Jurassic World Dominion, which is still in theaters uh, as well. So hang around after this quick intermission. We'll be back with more right here on Meet Me at the Movies. assist from your opposition to British arms. I will march my army over the mountains, hang your leaders, and lay your country to waste with fire and sword. All men, 
Merciful Father, we go forth in defense of everything we hold dear. There are so many positive things that are happening in Cleveland County. It's too hard to keep up with, and that's what Community Spotlight is all about. Hi, I'm Tyra Silvers, and I'd love for you to join me every other week right here on C19 TV, where we learn about the good folks and organizations that make our county such a special place. So drop in on us at Community Spotlight, only on C19 TV and online at c19.tv. Hey everyone, I'm Tim Wisher, welding instructor at Cleveland Community College, and today I'd like to take a little time and tell you about what we do here. Welders are in demand. We offer a certificate program and we offer a diploma program. It takes about a year to come through our program. We offer morning and evening classes here at CCC. We have the lowest student to instructor ratio in the state. We do real life simulation. We do API 1104 downhill pipe welding. We also do D11 structural steel code and ASME welding as well. We have AWS certified welding inspectors on staff. If you want to learn more about our welding program, you can give me a call directly at 704-669-4077 or on the community college website at clevelandcc.edu. Welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. Actually, welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Unless you missed the whole first half of the show where we talked about Thor, Love and Thunder. And in that case, welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. Nolte Manning II with Thomas Manning. And if you didn't understand that, it's okay because we didn't either. And we don't have to. We don't get paid to understand that. Thomas, good to see you, man. It's good to see you too. And if you did miss the first half of the show, then I would say please go back and watch that because we actually had a much more positive reaction in the first half of the show to the films that we were talking about. Uh, but this next film that I'm talking about is not going to be the most positive review, unfortunately. Um, so we are talking about uh, If Man, The Awakening. Uh, and you know, there have been multiple iterations of the If Man movies over the years. I, I think primarily with Donnie Yen, there was a four-film saga. Uh, and so this is kind of a prequel based on you know, based on the same character, the same real life figure. Um, and so this film, it's only 70 minutes long. It's barely feature length or 75 minutes long. Um, but even watching the first 15 minutes, I could kind of tell that the pacing was off. And I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, wow, there's still another hour of this. And I hate saying that, but that's really how I was feeling. And, you know, as a martial arts film, you expect a lot of the success of the film to be carried by the action. But unfortunately, the action here tries to do too much by whipping the camera all around, cutting to different angles like every minute or you know every second. And it's frustrating because you can see that in some instances, they're actually trying to do something different and interesting with the camera perspectives of the action. There's you know some POV shots of a fist punching someone or, uh, or an object slamming into someone, but it's ultimately distracting more than anything. And I would rather have just had them you know, sit the camera back and let the stunt guys do their jobs because the stunt guys are doing great work, but it's hard to see because they keep trying to you know, throw in all these gimmicks in there. Um, you know, thematically, there are conversations about standing up against injustice. You know, the main villains in the story are human traffickers, 
But the way these themes are written had me thinking back to the show don't tell lesson of screenwriting. Uh, there was not a lot of depth to you know, the exploration of these themes. Um, and tonally, it's all over the place. There's a bit of a love story in there. There's also a central story about you know, friendship and you know, sincerity. But I think it feels out of place with the backdrop of fighting against you know, this human trafficking ring. Uh, so you know, ultimately, I was uh, quite disappointed with Ip Man, The Awakening. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're a fan of fan of this character and you know this franchise, stick with the Donnie Yen films uh, that ran for uh, I think there yeah like four of those. Uh, so for Ip Man: The Awakening, I'm going to give it a, a C minus. Wow, I, I think you're pretty close yeah. to to our buddy uh, from Elements of Madness, uh, Douglas Davidson. Uh, he gave it I, he gave it a one and a half, and so he always has a t- hard time converting. And so I will convert that to a D plus. So I would say you're pretty, pretty close. Uh, and his headline was if man, the awakening co- accomplishes anything but that for its audience. And it sounds like he captured what you felt uh, as well for, for that same film. All right, Thomas, um, I know you wanted to also review the black phone, uh, which is uh, in theaters now as well uh, with Ethan Hawke. And it's a film that we've been, hearing about for quite a while. And uh, the original story was written by Stephen King's uh, son, I believe, uh, Mr. Hill. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Joe Hill uh, wrote the short story and uh, this was adapted into a feature film. Uh, So this is directed by Scott Derrickson, who you may know from his work on first Doctor Strange film. Uh, He also worked on another supernatural thriller in 2012 called Sinister with Ethan Hawke. And uh, Ethan Hawke is back working with Derrickson on this film. Uh, so actually, Scott Derrickson was going to direct Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, the sequel to his 2016 film. But uh, in early 2020, Derrickson exited that production and placed his energy on making this film. And uh, this was filmed in North Carolina in Wilmington. So it's good to see some productions coming back here. Uh, this kind of used to be, you know, the cinematic, you know, you know, Holy Land, basically, where everything was where everything was filmed. And then, you know, things kind of went more to Georgia a few years ago. But uh, it looks like we're getting back to North Carolina filming. So uh, I was really impressed with the production design, how they made Wilmington, North Carolina, look a lot like the suburbs of Denver, Colorado. Uh, that was something that impressed me. Um, you know, but, you know, overall, this film, if you've seen the trailers, you probably know the general premise. There's, you know, there's a kid that gets kidnapped. He's probably, you know, 10 years old. But the, where the supernatural element comes in is that the kidnapper's previous victims talk to this boy from the afterlife through a black phone that's hanging on the wall of this barren basement. There's like nothing else in this basement that the kid is trapped in except this black phone where the ghosts of the previous victims are talking to him. Um, so I will say that yeah, yeah, talk, talk, very... talk, I tell you guys, talk about a wake up call, man. That's a wake up call right there, buddy. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. Quite literally, quite literally. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, I think this, this premise is a very intriguing premise and that a lot of credit goes to Joe Hill or, you know, I think it kind of runs in his family with just incredible storytelling and, you know, incredible imagination and also a bit of a, you know, a creepy imagination too. Uh, I don't know if you're at a party uh, and somebody comes and just tells a story to you, how you're feeling about that. Uh, so, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but you know, once this film gets to the the portion where you know the kid is the once we get to the portion that was marketed so heavily, I settled into the rhythm of the movie. But one of my main issues was that it took about thirty minutes to get to that part of the film, um, and for a short film that's hundred minutes, you know, it pretty much took a third of the movie to get to that ex inciting incident. And uh, that was something where I was sitting there in the theater. Another thing where I was like, all right, let's 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 get on with it. Let's get to what we came here for. Um, so that was a bit of a detractor for me. Uh, but I did love how much of this film relied on visual storytelling and sound design. It uh, makes great use of negative space in the frame. And, um, you know, the dialogue that is used is uh, used sparingly, but the dialogue that's used through these phone calls from the afterlife used a great effect. Um, I mentioned Ethan Hawke. He's excellent and terrifying. I wish we'd gotten to see more of his face, though. Uh, he's, he's wearing this hes wearing this really creepy demon mask for most of his scenes. Um, kind of like your dad so, does walking around the house. Yeah, yeah, or, or, or just your uh, just your face in general. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Woo, look at you, look at you, good one. But yeah, but you know, Ethan gets to do some interesting things to his performance in the sense that a lot of his acting relies on his voice and his body language. But at the same time, it can't help but wishing that we got more of him, uh, more of his face, because he is one of the greatest actors of his generation. Um, so you know, at the end of the day this was one of those movies that left me sitting there with a feeling of oh that's it um and that's not exactly what you want uh, from film like this but it is a blumhouse film it's finding its audience it was made for 16 million dollars and it's already turning a profit and for the summer horror crowd it's uh i think it's kind of sati satisfying those tastes so yeah good deal and what is your uh, final uh, rating for uh, for the black phone I'll give a B minus to the Black Phone. Okay, uh, B minus for the Black Phone, uh, still in theaters. Uh, also still in theaters, uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, this is, uh, we think it's the final chapter, at least for a while, of the, uh, the second part uh, of, the, of the trilogy. So we've had six films uh, so far, and uh, this time we get, uh, we get our, our, our characters from the past, from the originals that, uh, that come back together. Uh, and they, they find a way to connect with those that we've grown to kind of love and sometimes hate uh, from the, the past uh, few films. Chris Pratt, uh, of course, Bryce Dallas Howard, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum are all uh, together uh, in this particular version of Jurassic World. And we're seeing uh, a time in history where we are trying to figure out the balance between how do we live with dinosaurs literally running in our backyard, not just at uh, uh, an amusement park. How do we mutually exist? And that's kind of the concept and the storyline that drives this. That's something we have to think about every day here in Bowling Springs, actually. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, you, of course, you've got some bad actors along the way that want to make money off of this. And, you know, from, from that standpoint, uh, there, there's not a whole lot new from what we've seen in the past. I mean, you, you, it, it is what it is. But uh, if you're a fan of the others and you're a fan of the characters and you want to see how they progress and what's happening with them, it's a movie worth investing. Uh, it is another one of those that I would recommend watching on the big screen, the big sound, the biggest possible. 
because there is so much going on and it's a grand, grand scale type of film, uh, the way it's shot and it is highly uh, engaging. Um, I really did uh, appreciate watching this one. Uh, the, the, the previous uh, version that was out just a few years ago, I, I wasn't completely in love with that, but I did appreciate what they were doing with setting up some interesting character dynamics that we see come forward in this one. And it is a story about life and, and who we are and finding who we are, which kind of goes back to what we talked about uh, at the very beginning with uh, with Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, enjoyed this film. I'm glad I got a chance to check this out. And it is still in theaters, uh, Jurassic World Dominion. A solid B plus for me uh, for this film. High on special effects, um, sound design. Uh, the action sequences are, are, are pretty phenomenal as well. So uh, I will go back and check this one out because my bride says I have not taken her yet. So uh, until next time, for the entire Meet Me at the Movies crew, I'm Noel T. Manning II. That's a wrap. Your mind.